Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. I just want to welcome everyone in the room and then welcome our online viewers from Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, New York, Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Vermont, Ohio, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Florida. Welcome, welcome. Well, hey, we are in a series called Emotions, and I honestly, I think emotions get a bad rap. I think emotions are really good things when you pay attention to them. All emotions are, it's like that little light that is going off in your car that says, check the engine. Anybody ever had that light go off before? You see, the problem isn't that the light is going off. The problem is, is when we ignore the fact that the light is going off. Now, I personally have ignored the lights before, the ones that said, you know, gas, fuel level low. I've ignored that before, and my husband's had to come and bail me out. Uh, I've also ignored the one that says check oil. Anybody ever ignored that one? You see, the problem isn't that the light is coming on or that we are feeling emotions. The problem is is that we don't always address them. We don't always look at when the light is flashing and pay attention. You know, I think sometimes we pay more attention to the flashing light in our car and we get our cars looked at more than when the flashing light in our lives is going off. We don't always pay attention and look at that like we should. So, you know, I'm just really curious. I would love to hear my husband's message on emotions. And we're always at different campuses, but I'm going to have to go watch online because I would love to hear what he has to say about it. I'm just saying. All right, I want to talk to you first about some common ways uh, that we're taught to handle our emotions, common ways that you and I are taught to handle our emotions. The first one, the first one, and I'm going to just kind of direct this one mostly towards the men. Don't worry, ladies, I'm coming for you too. But the first one I'm going to direct towards the men, um, and that is ignore or deny them. Just ignore or deny them, right? Just, Just pretend that they're not there. Uh, The next one, ladies, I think we can do this one, is overreact to them, right? Right? Okay. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. Vomit them out, right? I got into an Uber in Atlanta, and I swear to you, I was in the car for all of 10 seconds, and the woman was telling me every medication she was on, every past relationship she had had, 
And I thought, man, she is just probably, she took the uber position just so she could vent her emotions on any human being that got trapped in the car and was not able to get out. You know, regardless of time, place, or word choice, anybody ever had anybody just kind of vomit their emotions on them? Okay. All right. The, the fourth way is just never to share them. You're feeling them, but you just never, ever, you were taught, don't ever share your feelings. Uh, number five is to minimize them or underreact, right? My husband tends to do that. I remember he called me one time. Um, he had accidentally run over our son with a golf cart, right? <laughs> accidentally. And he calls me and he says to me, Babe, I think Colby might need to go to the hospital. Well, when Troy says that, I'm like, dear God, call 911. Because the dude never really expresses emotions, which is why I can't wait to hear what he's teaching in this series. And so when he called me and he said, I think he might possibly could, I'm like, oh, no, it's, it's bad. Because my husband tends to be a minimizer. Any minimizers in the house today? Any minimizers watching online? All right, and then number six, which is the least um, common way, is to actually process them healthily. Least common. But I I think there's two predominant things that keep us uh, from dealing with our emotions. I want to talk about those for a minute. The first is just a lack of knowledge, just a lack of understanding. For most of you, you probably grew up being told, especially if you're a male, uh, you know, but let me just make something clear. In this church, we believe there's male and female, so there's just two, right? So I'm talking to the males. So if you grew up male, uh, you were probably told that emotions are for the weak, You were probably told that emotions aren't a good thing, that emotions are something that you hide. Uh, But all of us, I think, in one way or another have grown up being told that emotions are not something you display. I remember um, when I was a kid, if something would happen to me and I would fall down, it would be like, I mean, my knee is busted open. I'm bleeding profusely. And what do the adults do? They shush you. Shh, you're okay. You're okay. It's not that bad. It's not, I'm bleeding. I'm hurting. Why is it not okay to cry? Why is it not okay to express emotion? Why, when our kids are injured or hurt or something happens, do we go, oh, oh, want a lollipop, want an ice cream cone? Oh, oh, oh. We're diverting them from pain. Why do we do that? Why do we not allow people to feel pain? And acknowledge and express pain. We teach people that it's bad, that it's unacceptable, that it's not okay. I remember um, when my kids, we had this dog named Georgie. His name was Giorgio, right? He was my white little poodle. Everything you could think that he was, he was. The cute little collar. Um, Georgie passed away and, um, my kids were little when it happened and they, they didn't know life without Georgie. He was like actually my first kid. He was like my, my practice, my practice test. And so Georgie passed away when the kids were little and my kids were so close with this dog. They cried and cried and cried, and it was a sad thing. Uh, they, they didn't go to school one day, and I remember so many of our friends were like, well, just go get them another dog. Like, why are you, they're so sad, they're upset, and, you know, Georgie had been gone for two days, and everybody was like, go buy them another dog. And I remember saying, what's wrong with them understanding and learning the grieving process? Why would I short-circuit their grieving process? You know, as humans, we do this too. We get out of a bad relationship, and instead of allowing ourselves to feel and grieve and process what went wrong, we get into another relationship to try to cover the pain from the last relationship, and then we never heal properly. We have grown up in a society where we have no idea what it looks like to heal or walk through our emotional process. Lack of knowledge is, is very specific. In Hosea 4, 6, the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
So we are literally raising a generation. That's why everybody gets a ribbon, everybody gets a trophy, because nobody can feel bad. Why did we do this? Because we haven't processed our own pain, so we certainly can't handle it in you. So when I see somebody that's hurting and I haven't processed my own pain, I'm going to be trying to divert it, cover it up. Oh, I, I feel bad because they feel bad. And we don't allow pain to be a natural process, a natural part of life. So that's the first reason. The second is we fear. We fear. Why don't we, we uh, deal with our emotions? Because we fear. We're afraid. What are we afraid of? What if I allow myself to actually feel what I've been suppressing for so long and it overcomes me? What if that anxiety overtakes me or that depression overtakes me? What if that sadness that I've been pushing off, what if it just overwhelms me if I allow myself to process it? And so what we do is we stuff, we stuff, we press, we press. We go through something difficult and hard and we withdraw and we isolate and we refuse to fully feel. And you see what happens when we do that. I remember when my husband, uh, if you haven't gotten his book called The Panic Room, you need to get it. It's an amazing, amazing book. And it talks about his journey in dealing with panic attacks. And I remember uh, when he was in his 30s and he had a panic attack. And he couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. He had a very busy schedule. He had just come back off the mission field. We had just done a marriage conference. It was in the early days of our church. All these things were happening. We were blowing and going and all the stuff. And he, he has this panic attack. And when he realizes, when he finally is diagnosed that he had a panic attack, he's furious. He's like, I'm a man. I'm not weak. Why is this happening to me? And he looks at me. It kids you not. He looks at me and he goes, this should happen to you. You're the emotional one. And I was like, oh, nobody. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I process my feelings. I process my feelings. I don't stuff them. I do not ignore them. I process them. Girlfriend's getting her feelings out one way or another. And I told him, I said, I, you know, even if I have to pay somebody, if I have to pay a counselor to listen to me, somebody's going to help me get these feelings out, right? And so he was a little miffed. He's like, well, this just isn't right. I'm just not an emotional person, and I don't understand why this is happening. And I said, that's exactly why it's happening. Where do you think depression comes from? Depressing. We're pushing things down that we should be feeling and expressing. And I'm not talking about in an unhealthy way. But see, we're so afraid that we're not going to be able to control what we're feeling and what's coming out. We're afraid of Pandora's box. Well, what if I feel this grief and I never come out of the cave? What if I feel this sadness? But see, that's not how things work. If you actually look in the Bible, they are very, very specific on how to grieve. There is actually an entire chapter called Lamentations, a whole book of the Bible, right? They would wear sackcloth and ashes. Now, why would they do that? It was a signal to say, hey, listen, this rough fabric that I'm wearing on the outside is symbolic of how rough I'm feeling on the inside, and I am showing this externally to you that I'm going through a rough patch right now, so you can give me grace and mercy. But what do we do when we're going through something? We hide, we withdraw, we don't want anybody to know because we don't want the mask to slip. We don't want anybody to know that we're not perfect, that we don't have it all together, that the person that you saw on TV or in the board meeting or or heading up the PTA is actually a human being that is going through and processing and feeling emotion. We're all so afraid of our mask slipping that we're all walking around trying to be something that we're not. And all of us, you know what we're craving for? We're craving just to be human and have somebody get us and understand us. But we're so busy trying to pretend like things look good 
Do you know it's okay to not be okay? It's okay to admit when you're going through a hard time or when you're hurting. How, how do I allow myself to feel? Because right now, I just feel like the world is in such a crazy place. If I acknowledge how I'm, I'm feeling, I, I just feel like I'm going to get overcome. I feel like I'm going to be overtaken. The world is jacked up. Can't I just pretend like it's not bothering me? Can I just hide in my little cocoon? Well, what does the Bible have to say about that? Well, let's look at what King David said in Psalm 23, 5. He's saying to the Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, the interesting thing about that verse is that word enemies is the word sarar. It's the Hebrew word sarar, and it doesn't mean a person. It actually means a hostile condition. It's not a specific person that's flesh and blood. It's during a hostile time or hostile conditions. In other words, Lord, you are preparing this amazing table in front of me with everything on it that I need, despite the hostile conditions that surround me every single day. Wait a second. God, you can take care of me. You can look out for me. You can make sure that everything I need is prepared in front of me despite all that's going on in this world. The answer is yes. So here's the question that I ask you today. If God says there is good for you despite the presence of your enemies, then why do we fear? Why? Well, I think we should start acknowledging when we are fearful or when we are afraid because my Bible says that that's when God's presence shows up. When I acknowledge my weakness, when I acknowledge where I fall short, then God can come in and fill that space. But did you know he doesn't fill a space that he's not invited into? In 2 Corinthians 2, 19, it says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is the scripture that I love. And that's one of the reasons why my husband wrote the book that he did. Because when he was walking all through the panic and anxiety and the stuff he was dealing with, that was not an easy journey. He had to come face to face with his weakness. And for a man, that's not particularly an easy thing to do. And then on top of that, he said, babe, I want you to take two chapters in this book and I want you to write about what happened to you because I wouldn't deal with my panic. I said, oh no, babe, you don't want me to do that because you know I'm an Enneagram 8, I'm gonna be way too honest. He said, no, that's why I want you to do it. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. Like if you are asking me to write two chapters, like it might not make you look the best in the particular light that you know, you might want to look, and he goes, no, I need you to tell everybody what it's like living with somebody that will not address their issues and their problems. And I said, no, 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 babe, you don't understand. See, the first, the first, you know, little bit of time, I was very compassionate, and I was there for you, and then I got mad and ticked off because you wouldn't address what you need to address, and now it affected me. And he goes, No. I need you to write about that. The fact that he is such a strong man that would let his wife write two chapters in his book. It's not a book about how awesome and wonderful Pastor Troy looked. It's a, it's a book about what you do when you're broken and how you allow God to come into the spaces and to heal you. And to set you free. But you know what? You got to let go of your pride in order to do that. You got to let go of it. 
You know, and I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it again today. So many times we think, I just got to fight the enemy. I just got to fight the enemy. It is not about the enemy. It's about the inner me. Our battle is not about, the, the devil's already been defeated. And I think so much we're like focused on outside, outside, outside. You can't win the battle outside unless you address the war internally. Let let me explain it to you like this. A ship doesn't go down because it's surrounded by water. That's what a ship is supposed to do. A ship goes down because the water that's supposed to be on the outside creeps into the inside. Then the ship goes down. The problem is the things we are letting get inside that we should not be letting get inside. Proverbs 23, 7 says it like this. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What I want you to understand is just because you remove yourself from a bad situation does not mean you have healed. Hiding is not healing. And God will chase you down. He'll knock you off of the horse. He'll do whatever he has to do to get your attention. You are called for such a time of this as this and your past pain, your past hurts. Listen, I am preaching this message as a girl who grew up very broken. I know what I'm saying here. I'm not preaching this as someone that does not understand. If we do not heal from what has hurt us, then we're going to go through life broken and ineffective. And when we get to heaven and we stand before Jesus and he says, why did you not fulfill the call that I put on your life? Well, did you know that last church hurt me? I mean, how am I supposed to walk in the call when the last church hurt me? How am I supposed to walk in the call when that last relationship, did you see what they did to me? Did you see how they abused me? Guess who won't be there? The last church that hurt you or the last relationship. You're going to be standing you and Jesus and that's it. And you don't get to blame somebody else of why you're not fulfilling the call of God on your life. They won't be there. And listen, listen, I'm not saying that there isn't a season where you need to heal. Okay? What I am saying is that if you've been out of this situation for a long time and you're still rehearsing what happened, you got to move on. You've given pain a place to reside. And when you give pain a place to reside, it'll take up residence there. We've got to learn to heal, not just to cope. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. I grew up sexually abused, physically abused, emotionally abused, everything you could possibly imagine. And there are times where it is okay to cope to get through, okay? When I was a kid, I had to cope in order to get through. I had to say, you know what? I'm going to withdraw my feelings. I I am going to be I'm going to make sure I was always having to look out for myself, make sure I'm safe, make sure everything's good. You know, you know, so much trauma. There were things in me, and I'm going to talk about them in a minute, that I developed as a child that kept me safe as a child. But now as a 50-year-old grown woman, I don't get to take the same things that kept me safe as a child and get to act those out as a 50-year-old. Do you understand? That won't bode well in your relationships. That's why God is all about relationships and he's all about marriage. Why? Marriage isn't just to make you happy. It's to grow you up. You see, there are things that on my own I could get away with and everybody would think they were great. But my husband, who I am married to, who I am joined to, will call me out and say, no, 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 you need to heal from that. Now, why did I just write this book called Setting Broken Bones? Well, I can tell you this. I was having dinner um, with a good friend, and this is something that had been in my heart about writing about my story. 
It had been in my heart for a while, but I was having dinner with a good friend. Um, if you're a baseball fan, you may know him. His name is Daryl Strawberry. So Troy and I were having dinner with him here in Charlotte, and um, he was speaking at Freedom House. And by the way, he's coming back soon. Um, but he was speaking at Freedom House, and we were having this conversation because Daryl had a very public life. Right? I mean, he would literally, and I'm not telling you something that he hasn't publicly said. Um, I'm not just like giving, like breaking the friend code, but he would literally go in between innings in baseball, sleep with the prostitute, come back out and play another inning. He was addicted to sex. He was addicted to drugs. He was addicted to money and power and fame. He, he would often find himself in the crack house. Because he was trying to escape pain. You see, Daryl had a very traumatic childhood as well. His father pulled a gun on him and his siblings and his mother, and they were uh, on a regular basis beaten. Well, one day, Daryl, when his, his father was on a drunken binge, him and his brother decided if they didn't do something about it, his father said he was just going to kill them all and then kill himself. So one of them grabbed a frying pan, one of them grabbed a, a knife, and they attacked his dad and called the police. He had a very, very traumatic upbringing. And fame didn't hide it, money didn't hide it, drugs, sex with any girl that would pay attention didn't hide it. And here he was very broken, but Daryl is now serving the Lord with everything that he has and preaching the gospel. And so Daryl and I were sitting at dinner and um, his wife Tracy and, and my husband Troy and I was just like, D-man, like, why don't people heal? You and I have been through the ringer and you and I are on the other side, but most people, they're not healing like they should. Why? Why is that? And Daryl said something that I will never forget. And this is the process of what, when I started writing my book, he's, he's like, P, P man, like they, they don't understand how to walk through pain. They, they want to get better, but they don't want the pain that it takes to get better. And I said, you know what, Daryl, you're exactly right. I said, I had a friend who was injured in a skiing accident. She went off to the side and ended up in this, you know, this patch of woods. And she broke her nose. She had two black eyes and it was a, a bit of a healing process for her. She, she didn't want anybody to, you know, touch it. And, you know, the, the doctor... You know, she wanted to get it fixed, but they were like, oh, well, let us take a look. Let us touch, you know, that sensitive. No, 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 just leave me alone. Years later, her nose had healed, but it had healed improperly. It was crooked. Now, it wasn't so crooked where she looked funny, but it was definitely, you could tell she had broken her nose. And it disturbed her and bothered her. And I was like, just go get your nose fixed. I mean, you're complaining that you can't sleep at night because you're having a hard time breathing. You're complaining when you look in the mirror, go get your nose fixed. Why, why is this such a big deal? And she said something I'll never forget. She said, listen, my nose got broken accidentally. Now... That means I'd have to sign up to have it broken intentionally. I'm not okay with that. And you know what? I think you and I do the same thing. We were accidentally broken in life. We got hurt. Things happen. We didn't get it addressed. And so now we have healed improperly. We're crooked. And God is saying, let me have that. Give it to me. And you know what we're saying? We're saying, uh-uh. No, no, no. I know what it feels like to be broken because broken it happened accidentally. And now you're asking me to sign up to be broken again? No, thank you. And he's like, but I, I want to correct this. I want to straighten this. I want to fix this. 
And we're going, nope, nope, I don't want that. I don't want that. I'm not interested. And he's like, but I want to heal you. Yes, it may hurt for a moment, but it's because I want to set you straight. It's because I want to heal you. And we go, no. We short circuit the process. And you see, that's the problem with a living sacrifice is it's always trying to crawl off the altar. We say, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. And here's the question I want to ask you after reading this scripture to you. John 15, 2 says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Here's what I want you to understand as a Christian. You're going to get cut. Either because you're going to get cut down because you're producing no fruit or you're producing fruit and he's going to prune you so you will continue to produce fruit. Either way, you're going to get cut so you might as well submit to God cutting you the way that he wants to. Let him break you and set you straight so you can heal properly. Now, When we talk about the promises of God, all of us in this room would say, you know what, I want the promises of God operating in my life. Yes and amen, I want the promises of God. But you know what we think about when we think about the promises of God? We think about the Noah promise, the rainbow, hashtag redeem the rainbow. We think about, y'all know I had to slip that in there. We think about the Noah promise. You know, God, I just want the rainbow and the dove and the beautiful sky. That's the promise I want. But God said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to make you a great nation, Abraham. And Abraham, in order for you to become a great nation, I've got to what? Cut you. I've got to circumcise you. Now, circumcision in the Old Testament was removing what could harm you, what could cause infection, that outer skin. Sorry, guys, that's Old Testament. But here's the thing. In the New Testament, God still requires circumcision. He says, now I want to circumcise your heart. We say, God, I want your promises, but I want them on my terms. Maybe the hurt and the pain that you went through is so you could help somebody else. Not so you could sit and wallow for however long and feel bad and feel sorry. You know what? Here's what I determined about my hurt and pain. It's only a waste if I don't use it to help somebody. If you're not using your pain to help somebody else, then it is a waste. Now, let me tell you the things that happened with me the things that I did in order to cope, and things I still have to watch out for. I still have to watch out for these things. The first one is unrealistic expectations of people. Unrealistic. Let me give you an example, right? When Troy and I got married, I never said this out of my mouth, but I had unrealistic expectations of people. I wanted the fairy tale. When we got married, I just assumed he was supposed to be the prince. He wasn't supposed to do anything he shouldn't do. And I was the princess and life was going to be great. The first time that he got ugly with me and said something ugly, I'm like, no, no, no. That's not the way the fairy tale goes. Now, I didn't say it out of my mouth, but I can tell you that's how I treated my marriage. Like Troy Maxwell was supposed to fix everything that the little broken girl didn't have fixed. And man, I was disappointed when he couldn't fulfill every broken place in me. He was supposed to ride in on his his white horse, be my knight in shining armor, and fix everything that this little girl needed. And when he didn't live up to that, I was mad. 
And I remember I put so much pressure on him to be everything that I needed, to be so safe, everything that I didn't get growing up, I unintentionally placed it on him. And one day he sat me down, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, I am a really great husband, but I make for a lousy Jesus, so knock it off. I was like, I don't think the prince says that to the princess. I don't think that's how the fairy tale goes. But I had this unrealistic expectation that I put on people that in order for me to trust you, there's so many hoops you're going to have to jump through. If you ever look at me wrong, if you hurt me, here's my list. And, you know, I'm looking at you. And did you know that discernment is a gift in the Bible, but there's no such thing as the gift of suspicion? Right? You see, I had the gift of discernment, and it was very sharp in me because of all I had been through. But see, your gift in excess is now your weakness. And so what I was doing is I was taking a gift in excess, and now I was suspicious of everyone. You're going to have to prove yourself to me before you get in this circle. I have to make sure that you're safe. I know nobody in here does that. It's just me. But my husband said to me, you've got to learn to lower your expectation of people and raise your expectation of God. Because if you trust God, it doesn't matter what people do to you. Because God is always there. The next thing I would do is I'd be hypervigilant. Hypervigilant. What does that look like? My senses were heightened. If you know somebody in the military, um, they are typically hypervigilant. See, here's the thing about me. It was almost like, do you remember the Terminator with that red eye who would kind of scan looking for the target, looking for the threat? Unintentionally, I was scanning my environment, scanning the room because I didn't grow up in a safe place. And so I had learned to look out for myself, protect myself because nobody else would. Now, as a little kid, I didn't understand that I could lean on my heavenly father. But as a 50-year-old, I know that I can. And so here I am. You know, I think this whole process for me started when I was 30, where the Lord is like, there's things that you're doing. See, see, we want to think of like the big things. Well, I'm not having sex with somebody I'm not married to. I, I, I don't drink. I don't cuss. I don't smoke. I, I, you know, I mean, God. I'm doing good. And he's like, no, you're not. You've got some things that you've carried over that you need to deal with. And I remember when I was in my first year of marriage, just because of all the things I had been through, I remember my husband was away somewhere. And, you know, back in those days, you carried briefcases. You didn't have everything on your iPhone. iPhones weren't invented, and neither was the Internet yet. I'm dating myself right now. And so I remember walking by his briefcase one time. And I remember opening his briefcase and fiddling and looking all through his briefcase. And I remember the Lord's like, what you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just straightening it up. You know, I'm just being a good wife because I, I think it's just a little messy. So I, I'm just going to straighten it up. Well, it was closed. How did you know it was messy? Oh, well, I, I just wanted to just be a good wife. You know, I'm in my first year of marriage. Just got to make sure. Lord's like, that's not what you're doing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just, you know, and I'm having this. Because see, since I didn't say it out of my mouth, That's often what happens is we don't say things out of our mouth, but our thoughts are going. And we can easily deny something we're thinking because we didn't speak it out. So the Lord is like, what you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just tidying up the briefcase. Just, Just tidying it up. Why are you looking through all the compartments? Oh, uh, uh, I was just, uh, and I was like, okay. I'm being suspicious, and he's gone, and now's the time I can flip through his briefcase. I'm looking for phone numbers. I'm looking for pictures. I'm looking for anything I can so I can have a, I got your moment. Because I'm going to get you before you get me. 
And the Lord arrested me. And he said, what has Troy Maxwell ever done to cause you? Well, nothing. You see, it's one thing if you're suspicious of a situation and somebody's given you cause. But see, Troy has never, I've been on his arm for 32 years, and he has never done anything to betray my fidelity. And here I am in these early stages, like digging through stuff, going through the Rolodex. Y'all know what a Rolodex is, anybody? And you're like, I can't believe you did that. Have you ever gone through somebody's text messages? Just to, you know, just check things out. Looked through their internet history, you know, just checking things out. Rummaged a little bit. Hypervigilant. There was this persistent fear of being ambushed. And daggone it, I'm not going to let you ambush me. The last one is evil foreboding. Evil foreboding. Something that as a little kid helped protect me, but now as a 50-year-old, it's not a good thing. What is evil foreboding? In Proverbs 15, 15, it says, All the days of the desponding and afflicted are made evil by anxious thoughts and forebodings. But he who has a glad heart has a continual feast, regardless of circumstances. Evil foreboding is just a way to say you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because as a young girl, it always did. Had a narcissistic mother. I didn't know if it was Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde that day. It's very difficult growing up knowing, okay, is today the day I'm going to get abused or is today I'm going to get a new dress because they felt sorry for abusing me. You grow up and, and there's just all this back and forth and it's confusing and no little child should ever have to go through that. And so what happens is I never wanted to get excited about good because it was always taken or thwarted. And some of you go, no, I don't, I don't know that I've done that. Well, let me give you some examples. You get excited because you're a new parent, but 25 times you go in the room at night and put your hand on their chest to make sure they're still breathing because somewhere in you, you're afraid this good thing that God has given you will be taken. Or how about the, the new car that you got? You, you get this new car and you're so excited, you're so thankful for it, but you're so afraid somebody's gonna scratch it or dent it or something's gonna happen, so you park on the other side of the parking lot. That's evil foreboding. Or the job that you're so excited that you got, but you're, you're so nervous, like what if it doesn't work out? What if, what if, what if? Maybe you're new to Freedom House. And you've come in here and you're going, I love this place. This church seems great. But what if it's too good to be true? Evil foreboding. You've trained yourself. Wait for the other shoe to drop because it always has. I want to encourage you today to listen to your inner dialogue. I would deny my thoughts because they never came through my lips. But I started to learn, take those thoughts, write them down. And then every thought that I had that didn't line up with the word of God, to counteract it with God's word. In Isaiah 26.3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. What I am asking you today is to pay attention to your emotions. I'm not saying be run by them, but I am asking you today to pay attention to your emotions. Bring them into alignment. Bring them into alignment with the word of God. You see, I started to till up the garden of my heart, the soil. And just say, God, I need you to remove the things in here that aren't of you because there's some tares that have grown among the wheat. 
And, you know, some people wouldn't have known. It wasn't like the big, obvious sin. But when you get into a relationship with somebody and you're holding yourself back because you're suspicious, you've got pain you need to deal with. Because if you truly trust the God of all creation will look out for you, then it doesn't matter if somebody hurts you because God will cover you. But we're walking through life so afraid to connect with people and open our hearts and open our lives because of what the last person did. Here's the deal. It's not fair for you to do that. You're going to ruin and sabotage relationships, relationships that God may have ordained for you. And I'm not saying let everyone into your inner circle. I certainly don't. But I will tell you, I knew when God healed me, there are people that come to this church and the very first time they walk in the doors, Troy and I invite them over to have lunch at our house. And they're like, okay, uh, we're not used to people loving on us like that. You see, I changed the way I look at people. Everybody is my best friend until you give me a reason for you not to be. But I don't walk into relationships suspicious of everyone. I walk into relationships with open arms. Now, I do put up boundaries where boundaries are necessary. I'm not suggesting that you don't. But I'm not gonna keep people that God has called me to love at an arm's distance. You wonder why pastors hide out in the green room? It's because sometimes they're afraid to love the people God has called them to love because they've been hurt. But I tell pastors the same thing. I said, is that how you want the people in your church to operate? Afraid of you because they were hurt at their last church? Goes both ways. I'm asking you to step into relationship with people and be willing to let go of your hurt and your pain. Would you stand on your feet? You know what I'd love to do today? I would love for it to be a normal conversation when somebody brings something to your attention to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna work on that. Instead of, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I grew up. Let's normalize. I'm going to work on that. Today, I want to ask you if you will allow God to re-break what didn't heal properly. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? This isn't just for people here in this room physically. I'm asking for the people online too. If you know there's an area of your life that did not heal the way that it should have, what I want you to do with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I want you just to lift up your hand and say, you know what? There's some areas I need rebroken. Just lift your hand up. Thank you for all the men. I appreciate the men that are in here that are leading the way. Thank you. There's another question I wanna ask you. The only way that we can heal the way we need to is if we put Jesus first, not the fear, not our anxiety, not our worry. If you know today that you need to put Jesus back first position in your life, you know that's the only way you're gonna heal is you've got to put Jesus first place in your life. If that is you today, would you just lift your hand and say, I'm putting him back first. Thank you so much for all the hands. Wow. I'm putting him first. Online, there's a place where you can click. You can click in order to put Jesus back first in your life. And there's people there that can help you and walk you through the process. Here's what I wanna do as we close things out today. I want you to say, that you acknowledge that red light that's flashing and that you're gonna acknowledge and work. 
You know, I think sometimes it's easy to deny our emotions, but the reason that God made us a three-part being, a spirit, soul, and body, is because he exists in three. And so we mirror him. And to ignore any one of the three parts of who we are is to actually deny part of the Trinity itself. And God is not wanting you to deny the soulish part. The soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Everything isn't just about the spirit and everything isn't you know, just our body, but all three signal each other. That's why when you're feeling anxious, you can feel butterflies in your stomach or you can feel nauseous or you can get a cold sore. Those are all things that are signals going, hey, this is happening and you might be ignoring it, but I want you to pay attention. Let's all do this together. Let's just say this. Say, Heavenly Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We ask you to break fear, to break anxiety, anything in our lives that is not healed properly. We ask you to break it right now in Jesus' name. And we ask you to set us straight so we can heal the way that you intended. I want you guys to look at me for a second. I didn't write this book for no reason called Setting Broken Bones. I wrote it for a purpose. And if I was up here saying, hey, I wrote this book and I want you to go and buy this book and there was anything in me that received a dime for it, then I would have a really hard time telling you to go buy it. But not one dime of that book or any of the books that my husband and I have written goes to us. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's blood, sweat, and tears to get my story out there and his story. But we never wanted there to ever be a question of why we did it. So what I'm gonna do is, um, Morgan and Adam are gonna come up in just a minute. And if you have not gotten my book or my husband's book, I'm gonna be out in the lobby, um, happy to sign it if you want me to. But you need to get it and you need to get it for yourself and you need to get it for your friends because I am tired of the body of Christ walking around broken and limping when they don't have to. Yeah, you can clap right there. So I'm gonna go out there now, so I will be there. But I am telling you guys, it is time for us to heal. Anybody with me? All right. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.